Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. were solid blue with the Guamanian flag on one side and then three <laughs> giant Goink the Clown daisies on the other leg. <laughs> I was so mad. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I asked star of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and the National Wrestling Alliance, Captain Yuma, as he paid a trip to Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. From the Nebular Emission Spiral, weighing in at three space pounds, Captain Yuma! Greetings, Earth citizens. I'm Captain Yuma. Flying into outer space, it's Captain Yuma! Out of this world! Captain Yuma, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, citizen. How are you? I loved watching the NWA show the other weekend. And Thank you, me. sir, in that battle royal as Captain Yuma, absolutely popped off the page for me. And Thank I you. Like, I need I need to find an excuse to talk to Captain Yuma. And I'll, I remembered I doing a thing where I interviewed wrestlers. So that'll do as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> now, not pe- people may not know because a lot of people would have discovered you for the first time. But like you've been a part of the NWA for, for a good long while now, haven't you, sir? Uh, I mean, yeah, technically I've always been, I've been like NWA adjacent. Mm. Um, I wrestled for the, and I wrestled on some NWA Hollywood tapings in 2008. And this is when like the young bucks were on it. Uh, like Lance Caden, Trevor Murdoch. It was, it was, it was like 08 in Hollywood studios. So I did a couple job matches there. Um, I actually won because uh, my partner got thrown over the top rope. So we won by DQ. <laughs> um, and then, um, you know, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood was NWA Hollywood for the first few years until the, some separation that was before my time being higher up in the company. Um, and then, you know, when I was in charge of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood from 2016 to 2020, we were actually able to really help... Um, you know, the NWA showcase matches, tell their stories uh, in the format they wanted to, but couldn't yet do, you know, it was, I mean, you could call it a piggyback situation. It was, they were like offer matches on our programming and we could work it into, into what we did. And it, you know, it just fit seamless. And then once the time was right, power began. And uh, I didn't get to be a part of that, but I'm a part of what they're doing now. I'm on power now. And I got to be on NWA 73, which was really, really cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a wrestling nerd. I'm a history buff. So to be a part of some, some history like that was really, really, really cool. And I'm glad, um, that like you said, you know, I stood out and that was my goal. 
I was in there with a lot of, you know, a lot of different flavors. And I was like, I got, I gotta, I gotta make sure people uh, get a taste of me. Cause it's one thing to stand out on a, on a whole weekend full of, full of shows and, and matches, but to, in a battle Royal where already there's a lot of bodies in, in eye shot. You certainly did. Can you remember when you got the call to invite you to NWA 73? So I was a part of their tapings in June. I remember I was, uh, I was, uh, I was actually, I was hanging out with my tag partner and uh, they're like, Hey, you know, we want, we want to bring you in. And I was a little bummed cause it was just me, but I was at the same time, I was like, you know what? Like, this is what we do. We're, we're a team no matter what, but sometimes one of us is going to get somewhere and maybe we stay and we meet or maybe, we leave or we go somewhere, you know, it's just, that's the way it's been. He was in Lucha Underground. Um, I'm kind of getting this opportunity on my own. And uh, yeah, they were like, hey, you know, we want you to come be a part of our, our, our television tapings in Georgia and uh, help out at the pay-per-view. And that was in June. Um, and then I ended up on the pay-per-view pre-show in a three-way match with uh, PJ Hawks and Colby Carino, two real young kids uh, that I, I like to mix it up with because they challenged me, they pushed me. And then for this one, you know, they're like, hey, you did great. Come on back. Um, I, I wasn't even supposed to be in the Battle Royal. That was a that was a late in the game decision. And so, you know, I was like, absolutely. You know, I, I, I saw some of the people that were all, that were going to be in it. And I was like, I don't care. I'm not afraid. I'm ready to fight. Ready to stand out amongst some notable people and some really unique people, and I and I didn't care. I was like, "Let's go! I'll take the opportunity, and I'm going to run with it." So you didn't know you were going to be part of that battle royal until until the day. So how did that transpire then? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things, you know. There's uh, any any professional endeavor has meetings, and in meetings, things come up and things change, and uh, and you know, there was uh, you know, battle royals. They got They got to have a good amount of people in them. You know, you don't want to you don't want a six man. And, and, you know, they had had 12 in mind and, and their 11 were there and they needed a 12th. And, and I, you know, everybody knows I'm always, always ready to go. And then, and then you turned out ready to go going, I'm ready. I'm ready to, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm always ready, ready for lift off. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it turned out to be 13 people in there who knew there would be a mystery man with sinister minister, Jay, uh, uh, father James Mitchell. I mean, that, Getting to see Father James Mitchell that close, I thought he was going to stab me at one point. I, I got thrown <laughs> on the ropes near him, and he, you know, his little eyebrows, and he was, he was solid eyebrow game. Dude, it's it's crazy in person too. It's insane. <laughs> they look so cool. Did you get to to chat to one of the the VIPs of the night in Ric Flair? He was there that night. Did you get to have any discourse with Flair? Um, you know, I, a brief hello where he. I mean, it's weird. He, he, he greeted me in a manner as I don't know. It's just, he, he came in and was immediately like acting like our peer, mm. you know, which is not the case. He is whole nother level, especially in that room, like, especially in the NWA. And, uh, but he, he was really, really cool. Um, uh, and it, it was, it was, it was weird. We were all, you know, get ready to go out for the battle Royal. You know, everyone just, single file head on head on down to the ring and right before uh when he came back from his speech because we had to follow flair's speech which was uh, we're like well, okay you know let's go get, throw some punches kick some ass and you know hopefully they don't just want flair back 
And and it was crazy because he he came out and he he I you know he eyeballed each of us, he sized all of us up, and he just went, Go out there, kill it. And I was like, Oh shit, Rick Flair just told me to have a good match. Like that's really cool. I've been lucky to meet a lot of legends, but that was the first time I'd been shared a locker room with Rick Flair, and it, it was crazy. And you know, he watched like the whole show. He had like a little little sneak peek view from a area near the gorilla position and, and he just watched the whole show. You can see that passion for wrestling that's always been with him, but you, I got a nice, a nice uh, feel for him being in the national wrestling Alliance and kind of wanting to tell those stories again and be a part of that bit of history. It was amazing to say. So, Oh yeah. You, you could tell just by the words and his passion and his, in his speech, you know, like he was, he was genuinely happy to be there genuinely happy with you know the the respect that the fans still give him and that the locker room gives him too i mean it was it was crazy you know a lot of a lot of these big name guys on the show i mean they had stars in their eyes because rick it was rick flair but hey look this that that weekend is is a small part of your story and and i want to get to so much more of it tiny bit we're going to get to all of it and i want to also ask you whilst you're here slightly different for a space man i want to send you on to a desert island it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition. We'll go with it. Um, I'm going to ask you to pick three wrestling matches to watch uh, whilst okay. you're stranded there. So what would your first match uh, be, Captain? So I think I'm going to have to go with... Um, this was so tough. This, this was tough. I've been stranded on, you know, tiny moons out in the reaches of space, and I've never really thought about what I would bring if I could. So this was tough. And at first, I could not keep it out of one, like, span of time. Like, no matter what. I just couldn't. Because I think back to my favorite time, which is, like, Rumble 2000 to um, uh, Vengeance 01. Like, for me, that's, like, like untouchable WWF. Untouchable WCW. I love it. I don't care what anyone says. So it was tough. But I'm going to go. I'm going to start with Edge and Christian defending the tag team titles against the Dudley boys at Royal Rumble 2001. It's the opening match on the card. It is, in my opinion, the most perfect tag team match that you could possibly have. It is, it is, it is just perfect. It is, it is, it is perfect tag team wrestling, perfect storytelling, perfect action. Every little thing they do gets a reaction. Even I, I don't like, I feel bad saying this because Dudley boys are probably my second favorite tag team of all time. I'm obsessed with them, but you know, Diva never really got the same reactions that Bubba would get when he would come in and start laying house. But Diva came in at house of fire and the place was rocking like Diva hitting that big spinning elbow. They went nuts for it. Like every single thing landed and, and it was awesome. I, with that, I remember with that one going into it, the story was that edge and Christian had given them concussions Yes. Which is, yep. Which is knowing what we know now about, about the concussion policy of WWE, it's funny to go, oh, oh, they wrestled, but they got concussions. Are they going to fight back through it? Like nowadays, it's like, oh, they might have a concussion. We best rest them for a while. Um, but it, it, this was the this was the time, as was the style at the time. And I really <laughs> liked the the way they they sold that. Like they they sold it to the back of the room. And, and you could tell that it affected the match and it changed their game a little bit. And that's yeah. what leans into making this one stand out so much for them is that they're wrestling with these concussions and they're pushing on through, isn't it? And it's and it, exactly. It's like, it's like there's that genuine, genuine worry that like, you know, one of these two guys and they show the clips right before the match, them getting their heads smashed right against the wall in the hallway with the chair, you know, which sounds great, looks gnarly. 
And, you know, it's just there was that worry that, you know, every little like suplex to, you know, the back suplex, they're hitting their head and they're like, oh, 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 you know, commentary was really stressing. Like, you know, these boys, these boys could get hurt real bad. This is ill-advised. And then they end up winning the tag titles and the place freaking explodes. Where were you when you watched it for the first time? Uh, Royal Rumble 2001. I was at my house. That was one of the few that I got to order and have a couple of friends over. I had my friend David and my friend Sean came over. Um, I had the, the first pay-per-view I ever ordered was King of the Ring 2000, and it didn't work. My dad had to get a refund. My friends came over. I was like, I was heartbroken. So they gave us fully loaded the next month for free, which is another one of my favorite pay-per-views. Starts with a crazy six-man with the Hardys and Lita against Test Albert and Trish. It's awesome pay-per-view. And then the next time I got to order one was this one, Royal Rumble 2001. So I have it still on my VHS, taped it off the TV. Um, and it's uh, it's funny. At the beginning of that tape, for some reason, I recorded the Titan Trons or the Turner Trons from WCW Backstage Assault. <laughs> Just all of them in a row and like, you know, like a pause where I would like have to go through the menu and I didn't want it on the tape. So it's just video after video after video after video. And then for some reason, Royal Rumble 2001. I love that there is a whole generation. I think you and I are of a similar generation where there are VHS tapes just full of stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. where we've, we've recorded clips from, from video games or we've got just sequences or segments from like we're putting together a best of. And it's not as easy as nowadays. You can put together a best of using Premiere relatively quickly. They've used Adobe yeah. Premiere or, or similar video editing software. But like the love that goes into putting together a montage on a VHS tape, stop the tape. It's long play, so you don't get too much buffering. Find the right bit, hit record at the right bit. If you ruin it, you got to go back and start it. The love that goes into building stuff like that on a VHS tape. What would you have used them for? Was it just was it just for for archival um, evidence? It was because I didn't uh, own Backstage Assault, and I wanted to be able to use those for when I was playing with my figures. Because I would I would set up the ring right under the TV and play Trons on the TV that I had taped. Um, and so I did that with SmackDown one and two also. So I had a pretty good amount of Trons on like, and it sucked because they'd be buried between three hour pay-per-views. You know, you could fit six hours on a tape and I'd have like two hours and 45 minutes of a pay-per-view. And then like a couple minutes of like SmackDown two gameplay footage. I tried to make a commercial showing how you could finally do double teams. Like (laughs) that was such a big deal to me. I felt like they didn't stress that enough. And so I made a commercial for SmackDown two. But that's the, the that's true passion from wrestling fans is is using oh, yeah. TV as a Tron, uh, to, <laughs> like that that I get I, that resonates that absolutely resonates. Um, you, the friends that you watched Royal Rumble One with were they mm-hmm. were they friends from school were they were they so, were solid wrestling fans like yourself? How did you get to know them? Yeah, so they were. Uh, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade, and I had the same exact class the whole time. You know, a couple kids in and out. You know, new kids, kids would leave. But for the most part, same 30 kids from kindergarten through eighth grade. So I'd known these kids my whole life. Uh, one of them, his mom was a teacher at the school. And so was my mom. So we were pretty close. Uh, but it was my friend David and my friend Sean. And my friend Sean is the one who got me to like wrestling because all my friends like wrestling. And I hated it. I had never seen a second of it. I thought it looked so stupid in magazines and toys. I was like, this, shit, this is dumb. This is so dumb. I hate it. And then one day, my friend Sean, after everyone, because it got to a point where kids would antagonize me for not liking it. And it made me want to lo- not like it even more. You know, like I was like, I'm, I'm never going to watch it now. Down on it, yeah. yeah, I was just 
obstinate little kid. And uh, one day my friend Sean was like, Hey man, Royal Rumble is coming up. It's always really fun. I think, I think you would like it. You should just give it a chance. Give SmackDown a chance. He's like, it's, he's like, it's on UPN. Like just give it a chance tonight. So like halfway through SmackDown, right before three days before the Royal Rumble, I, uh, I turn it on and I see everyone's heard this story. They're tired of it, but I don't care because it changed my life. I see Crash Holly versus Viscera and I see Viscera and my, and I just like literally like a, a switch flipped and my life was different forever. And here we are today talking about how that flip switch, that switch flip. So, so Viscera was the guy that got you into wrestling after all this time. Viscera was the one that, that, that broke through the glass. And, and it's because he didn't look like, like he was, he was otherworldly to me. I had never seen a person that big. I had never seen a person that scary. And I was like, that's a real person. I'm huge sci-fi guys, especially Star Wars. And I just saw this guy that looked straight out of Jabba's palace. And I was like, hold on. He's beating that little guy up. And then the little guy was fighting back. And everyone knows me. I'm tiny. I've been tiny my whole life. You know, like always the smallest kid in school. And so I was like, oh, that tiny guy's kind of giving it to him. And I was like, and then right there, I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to do for my whole life. That. It was that quick. It's amazing then, how um you obviously you say as a sci-fi fan you are you are big into your sci-fi but wrestling you you just didn't bite on it and I know a lot of that is as you say uh, the kids at school going oh you should like it so you doubling down on it which 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 is what I do but <laughs> is was it initially when you decided you hated it why what was it that you disliked about it um I you know it's it's gonna sound dumb. But, you know, growing up when I did, and obviously, I'm, I don't even know how to say this without sounding ignorant, but I don't know. I just like, I, as a little kid, I, was like, I don't want to see a bunch of men like with their shirts off. Like, yeah, well, that was the, that was the perception. Was it? And, and it still is the perception from, from outside. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, but, and, and, and you know, each other. Exactly. In hindsight, I was just like, well, like, you know, the freaking Terminator's naked. Yeah. Ooh, I, but I was, he's all the way naked and I'm cool with that. So it's just, I don't know. I don't really know why I hated it. I, and I think it's because I knew it was 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 fake. You know, my I tell you what, after a week of shooting TVs with NWA, I will remind my body's reminding me how not fake it is. But, <laughs> but, you know, I think I think knowing that first, I never had that bit of innocence. You know, I couldn't get fooled into liking it by thinking that clown is genuinely fighting. The, the the hawaii man you know like i just i never ever had that chance because uh, you know it's just an older i was always around a lot of older kids because my parents both worked at the school so i was you know around the seventh graders and the eighth graders and they were or you know already had grown out of it maybe and so it's just i knew it was fake from the beginning and so it which is weird because i obviously i love ninja turtles and that's as fake as it gets i don't i i guess i don't know it's just i think weird. i think with with wrestling i think the issue that a lot of people who don't like wrestling get from wrestling is that sure like turtles is fake star wars is fake um but wrestling pretends it's not and yeah. i think that's where people take umbrage with it somewhat because it doesn't pretend to be uh, it does, it doesn't it pretends to be real yeah, in our eyes, because it's because it's 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 presented as an athletic event in front of a live crowd. It feels like everybody's being conned. <laughs> Whereas with this film, it's on a set and people choose to watch it. Like you, people who are on the outside see wrestling as this big con for that reason. I think. Yeah, I th I, I, that's probably it. There's no, there's you know, there's a bit of deception to that, and deception 
in itself has pretty negative connotations. So it's like, like, oh, they're trying, like, they're lying to me. Like when you know somebody's lying to you and you know they're lying to you and you're like, so that, that might've been it too. But I, and especially as I got older, like, but I mean, as soon as I started watching, I was just, I was hooked. It's like, I didn't even care anymore. I didn't care about any of the things that bothered me about it before. I was like, I want less, I want these men in trunks. I want them wearing less. I want like more oil. It, you know, it, 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 it was just weird how how quick it my opinion just changed like, completely. Do you think also a part of it might have been because people were so into it? Because I've been like that with TV shows before where friends I'm like that for sure. so deep into it. I'm like, oh, I just I don't want to I can't be bothered to watch it because so many people are talking about it. I can't be bothered to. Yeah, it's weird because like, and, and I'm not a contrarian. I, I think people think I am because I like a lot of stuff that people think sucks. Like if a movie sucks, everyone's like, oh, Yuma likes it. And typically that's, <laughs> and and that's the case a lot. But it's not me like being like, hmm, got him today that, you know, I liked the new Predator movie and they're pissed. Like, it's not like that. I just, I just have different tastes. And so um, I got a, oh, I got a little off track there for a second, but uh. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, just being not trying to be contrarian and not liking it. And again, it was just because my friend Sean asked me if 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 Andrew asked me, Kevin, Luke, Brian, like all the other kids that I knew like wrestling, if they asked me, I would have been like, go to hell, dude. I'm sick of you guys. I don't want to watch that crap. But Sean asked me. He asked nicely. He like never was mean to me. He was just one, a different type of friend. And so I was like, OK, I'll bite. and I'm glad I did. What was the moment then? So you you discover it through Sean. Viscera has blown your mind straight out of uh, straight straight out of the cantina. And um, what was the moment though that you went? Actually, not only do I like this now, I want to do this now. Thank you. It was probably that weekend. I wanted to watch Royal Rumble so bad, and I and I just couldn't. You know, I had crap family crap to do. Uh, I think we were going to church. Sunday on Sunday evenings at the time so like I just wasn't there was no way and I remember I was religious SNL fan and I always wanted to be an actor but I always wanted to be an actor who did his own stunts and I think it was probably during SNL that night I was just like man like you know well these these guys are acting and they're doing their own stunt. like just thinking about how bad I wanted to be an actor still too and, and then realizing like well hey that's a different avenue of, of acting it's just different and I get to kick ass because I was really big into James Bond and other action movies. But I wanted to be the first American James Bond. I don't know why I thought that could be a thing. But that was my goal. And I always wanted to be on SNL, too. So it's just all the just being an entertainer and but loving action. And what is wrestling, if not entertaining action? Um, <laughs> just, it just worked. But well, I want to touch on the acting stuff. Uh, first of all, best Bond. Oh, for me, Roger Moore. There you go. That's the right answer. Just check it. All right. Thank you. I'm so tired of arguing with people about James Bond. I'm like, shut up and go watch Roger Moore. You're wrong. <laughs> Roger Moore. And, and then, and I think this is where a lot of people will uh, are divided. I'd say Sean Connery next. Mm -hmm. I put him second. Yeah, um, I think Sean Connery's, uh, I think a lot of the time when people do an impression of James Bond, they do an impression of either Roger Moore or Sean Connery. Pretty much. Yeah. There's, you know, no one's doing a Timothy Dalton and I love Dalton. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Definitive. Um, who are some of your inspirations into acting then? Who were some of those people that inspired you to want to get into that line of work? Um, I really, really wanted to be a voice actor specifically because of um, 
Mrs. Doubtfire, when it shows Robin Williams' character recording the lines for the little bird in the cage, I was just like, I was like, oh man. And then I remember Robin Williams was actually the voice of the genie. And I was just like, man, I want to do that. And like, he's doing both. Like he's in a movie acting as someone who's a voice actor. And I was like, I was like, okay. Like, I think that's kind of like you, if you can act, you can, you can do it in any, any medium, you know, you can be in a cartoon, you can be in a movie, you can be on a TV show. So it was really like seeing Mrs. Doubtfire and that opening scene that made me be like, okay, like if you can do one of these things, you could probably get a shot at any of them. And I was like, I, I want to, that's what I want to do. I want, I want to act. So Robin Williams in general was a big one. I liked Jim Carrey a lot when I was little. Uh, um, I don't know. Um, I liked Mel Gibson until he went absolutely insane. Uh, <laughs> is, is, he because I, I you know my dad was really into Mad Max and he got me into it and so like that was like because he's like an action he was an action guy but not really but but yes he was you know I liked how he could be zero action or you know in Braveheart you know it's a lot of serious drama and all that but he's also you know he's getting into it so he was he was one for sure but now he can kick rocks um uh, who else oh I love Will Smith love will smith i love that he was like he could kick ass and be hilarious at the exact same time uh men in black you know uh, wild wild west like will smith he was he was definitely one for me and then a lot of snl cast members too many to list but you know phil hartman uh you know i really like tim meadows um just yeah tons of snl cuts how far did you get into pursuing acting outside of thinking i'd like to be an actor um, I started being in uh, stage plays in seventh grade, and then I was in theater throughout high school. Um, I was in show choir all of high school, singing and dancing with jazz hands and sequins. Um, I was in a band all of high school, and I did improv comedy all of high school. And then as soon as I got out, I went right to wrestling school, and all that kind of just fell behind me. And I was just, you know, pipe, just tunnel vision on pro wrestling. But if it wasn't for those things, I mean, I don't think I would be who I am because, you know, you can take one look at me. I'm not exactly a physical specimen, but my comfort of being me, who I am in front of, you know, 10 people or 10,000 people, it doesn't matter. You know, I was in sequins in front of the entire school at every pep rally. You can't, no crowd scares me. No crowd scares me. And, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I learned a lot how to be comfortable on stage, how to emote, how to be big, even though I'm tiny. So I, I learned a lot from those things. And now as I'm, you know, my body's not wearing down, but, you know, you start looking towards the future. I've been wrestling for almost 15 years. Uh, acting is definitely something I'm start, I've already started putting out feelers and asking people about, you know, methods. I have a lot of people, friends in the industry that are happy to help me. So I, I think, um, you know, that is something I'll pursue for sure if the physicality ever has to, you know, take a back seat. Stage confidence is something that really can't be taught, isn't it? It's, it's like being pushed into the deep end of the pool. Either you get over it pretty quick or you never do. For me, I, uh, my first, I mean, I started performing when I was a little kid. I don't know why I started with stage plays. Uh, I used to be in every talent show at school. My mom would make me do a Broadway musical number typically, or a famous musical number. Uh, with a, uh, a girl pal of mine um, we would always do some kind of you know duet uh, I was in another musical in like sixth grade 
And then I used to do Mexican folk dancing uh, when I was really little. And that's something my sister stuck with into her, into her like mid twenties. I stopped pretty quick because I did not need to go to rehearsal. I would say that. And eventually, you know, the teacher got fed up. My mom got fed up. She's like, all right, well then you're done. <laughs> Cause that was obviously you kind of saying like, I don't really want to do this anymore. I'm just, I want, no, I wanted to do it, but uh, I've always had a crazy memory and I would memorize the choreography and I would prove it. You know, and my mom said that oh, okay. was the most frust frustrating part is like, you didn't need to practice, but you could not know that or learn that at such a young age, because there's going to be things you're not good at that you have to practice. And so my mom just didn't want me to think, oh, he's Mr. Perfect, even though sure enough, I always knew the choreography after the first time we learned it. So it was more more a case, not so much of having to go. Like You already knew the moves, but it was more the discipline. Of of going week to week to week for something. Yep, I didn't I didn't want to miss Saturday morning cartoons to go to go do my damn folk dancing. You know, you know, I had a bad attitude on on top of that, so it was just wasn't a good thing for me at at the ripe young age I was. So it was fun though, and I remember and there's really cute pictures of me doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think that bad attitude came from? Um, I think it was from being. A little bit better than my sister who was older than me I was a, I was always like a little bit better than her at a lot of things and I think that gave me like a, a little cocky attitude even as like a three-year-old you know like being able to read a little better than her you know everyone just grows differently but as a kid you know that's a point of pride well, I can read better than my sister and she's in first grade you know shit like that just just made me a little a little jerk and and, you know, again, and, you know, being able to remember the dances after one lesson and, you know, be, and my sister struggling because she was a dancer, too. And I would have it down before her, you know, I think just just little things like that gave me like a weird, bad attitude of not needing to practice. And then it's funny because when it came time to play sports, whew, you've never seen a worse team sport athlete than me. Not good at any of them not one. And my dad's a coach. My dad was a jock. He's a high school. He was a high school basketball, football coach. He taught PE. He was Mr. Sports. And I was Mr. Rotten at every single one of them. So I definitely learned, I was humbled pretty much immediately on uh, the importance of practice. So the teams, so it's weird. Cause again, like it, how you, you take to choreography and do and such like that. But then as you say, with team sports, there's a disconnect there. Um, what's what goes through your mind then for somebody who is able to to, to master stuff like dance moves so quickly, and uh, when suddenly something doesn't come as easy? What's the what does what goes through your mind then as a youngster? I mean, I I was super. I would just get so frustrated, like short fuse, little little piece of dynamite ready to snap and. You know, not necessarily be like a monster or a bad kid, but like, you know, I was a crier for sure. Like if I couldn't do something, oh, my God, it really bothered me. But then like I would get so mad that I would give up. I was a crier and a quitter forever, forever, forever from like, I guess, most of grade school. Just just a crybaby and a quitter because if I couldn't figure it out, I would try so hard, get really frustrated and then just quit and then move on to something else, you know. I, I got good at a couple things, but they're usually individual. You know, I, I, I just wasn't too good of a team player as a kid. As an adult, I think I'm, you know, I don't know if being bad at it then was good for me now. You know, I know a lot of kids that played sports and, you know, they're 
now they want to be on their own because they were forced to be in a team forever. And for me, it's the opposite. You know, I always wanted to be an individual, individual, individual. And now I, I gravitate towards strong groups, you know, whether it be my friends or my little family, you know, I, I gravitate, I gravitate towards working with others and, and helping each other. And I, it's definitely because I did as a kid, I don't know if it's subconscious or if that's the lesson I learned. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, and you know, it just, I was bad at sports. It just sucked. I was decent at golf. I was good at archery and I was okay at soccer. Soccer was the only team sport I was decent. I was rotten at football, terrible at bat, like embarrassing at basketball. And, you know, I was the coach's son and I was like a scrub. It sucked. (laughs) What was the turning point, do you think, in your mentality towards just getting frustrated and, and, and crying through it? Like, what was there? Was there a turning point for you when you, when the attitude changed towards it? Um, honestly, I think it was when I became a professional wrestler. Um, specifically when I started teaming with Johnny Goodtime, aka Kevin Martinson, aka Big Hunky Kev, aka Major Hunk. Um, <laughs> you know, I think knowing that more than just fun and games was on the line. And, you know, soon after we started teaming is when I met my wife and I had always been in serious, really, I was always a girlfriend guy, you know, be with a girl for a couple years at a time. Um, I didn't hop around a lot, you know, uh, but I think, you know, knowing that I had to work together with him or we would, we would never make it. Cause I, I just also, I think I pretty quickly didn't think I could make it on my own. And I wanted to have a teammate in both in the ring with Kevin and in real life with my wife I think it was just like a worry I wouldn't make it without help and and also just a realistic understanding that nobody nobody makes it without help you know nobody's successful without help just plain and simple and 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 I you know I'm, I'm grateful to have Kevin I'm grateful to have my wife Anita and I think they are what where the shift changed like you know if you want this if you want to be happy in life and get the things you want you have to be able to work with other people and it just it worked. Me and Kevin jailed. Me and my wife jailed. And here we are. And uh, this would lead on to you uh, starting the, into the world of wrestling, which we're going to get to in a moment. But we've got to pick a second match uh, for oh. your DVD, Captain. So we've picked Royal Rumble um, 2001, Edge Christian versus the Dudley Boys uh, for the titles. What would you like your second match to be, sir? I am going to go with... Uh, not, not like a wild card choice. Trust me. I have some honorable mentions that I'll, I'll read quickly before the last one, Brilliant. but, uh, this one, I, I was like, okay, do I, do I do all WWF? Do I do one WWF, one WCW, one ECW? And I said, no, I pick a TNA. Nice. So, so it was tough because I freaking love TNA. I, I mean, I just, I, I was obsessed with it. Um, and so I'm going to go with, it's an easy one. Joe Daniels Styles, Unbreakable 2005, also on VHS tape because I taped it off the TV because we had just gotten the fancy new uh, gimmick cable to where ordering pay-per-views was a lot easier. You didn't have to call somebody or mail in a damn check or something. It was finally easy to do in 05. And so I was like, I just I just remember hollering upstairs, Mom, Dad, I'm buying a pay-per-view. And, and it was it, it was so good. And, you know, I used to, I mean, I tell you what, I love TNA so much. We didn't have the right kind of cable to watch the weekly pay-per-views, but my little, my little girlfriend at the time did. And I would run all the way to her house, 
all the way across our entire community. And I would watch them on Wednesdays and tape them and then run home because <laughs> because her, her dad would get mad that I was like hogging the TV. So as soon as it was done, I was out. I would dip. It was dinner time. <laughs> I had to go and I would just sprint. So and I and I, I have a few of them still. But yeah, I used to try and draw the NWA TNA logo on the, the spine label. So, yeah, I was a diehard TNA fan. And that match. I had some non-wrestling fan friends over and they were losing their mind. I think they had come over to watch one night stand and that made them lose their mind too, especially Tanaka and awesome. Like they were like, what the, they're like, this is what you want to go do. Cause I was actually just about to move to LA. Um, in fact, I was, it was right before I moved that we ordered unbreakable. Um, it was like a, like we we're a goodbye hangout. And yeah, we watched it and they just couldn't believe it. They were so blown away by Samoa Joe. And I was like, I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, all three of these guys are, are insane. And that match is just perfect. It felt so special to have on, on a TNA show on that pay-per-view for TNA, the, the X division title, which I think many of us sort of saw ostensibly as, as the mid card title, but it was mm-hmm. so much more than than that. Like it, it, it did so much more for that company than than many of the championships did did and still do. And to have that as the main event and have those three guys as the main event really felt like um uh, like a shift in wrestling because this felt like this is the next generation coming through. And that was what TNA was always so proud of. Just like they would, you know, we're working with people from. Uh, former WWE and WCW backgrounds, but having this groundswell of talent that they had uh, curated. So to have them in the main event and just absolutely go for it was amazing to watch as a fan. What's really cool. And like, it's, it's, I like that you say that because it was kind of like, it's weird because that did feel like a turning point. And then I feel like we still didn't even see that turning point for like almost 10 years when Mm. those smaller guys really, really, always got the focus it was it was a look uh, through a look it was through a looking glass almost yep just like, it, it was it, it was like when you find concept art for a movie that doesn't come out for 10 years and you're like <laughs> oh oh i remember seeing that i remember seeing that that's what that was it was like it, it was just like a prototype of what's to come and i loved it so much because you know christopher daniels possibly the greatest independent pro wrestler of all time just i mean obviously he transcended that uh, being just an independent wrestler but like so it's like there was like generations in there you know you got you got this this journeyman chris daniels who who had been everywhere and had been a consistent staple of tna and then you have you know aj styles who was like you know the next gen of what christopher daniels was this you know amazing innovative independent guy and now he's been a staple of the company the whole time and then you have samoa joe who not necessarily he he was like, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, he was what showed you that the X Division was truly different. It wasn't just the style. It was the fact that they were – I loved the old catchphrase. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits. And nobody nobody put that out there more than Samoa Joe. He looked like a, a fish out of water in that group. But he blended right in because of what he was capable of and what he could do to those guys. And I just loved seeing it, you know, because Joe had only been in TNA for – Mm, a year in 05 maybe by, by i think i think even at this point he was still undefeated like yeah i think so yeah yeah because i think all. he debuted in, he debuted on the fo- in the fox 
Fox Sports era, I think, like 04-ish. So, yeah. So, again, he's kind of the newcomer to, at least to the company, you know, not to the world of wrestling by any means, but to that company. So, it's like you've got these three different, totally different guys that have each share some similarities, but they all have their things that make them very different. And then they just, they just put on a crazy, crazy three-way. And I tell you what, I'm not big on three-way matches unless they involve Tajiri, Mikey Whip, or Tajiri, super crazy, a little Guido. But that, this to me is probably the greatest triple threat match of all time. You would get to dance in TNA as Lars only. Yes. That must have felt from watching this to, to, to getting to do that. It, for me, at my size and where I was from, and the the you know when they people come looking, I had quickly thought, you know, I may never make it to the WWE, but that doesn't mean I can't make it to these other places that I've always wanted. You know, that was the pinnacle in my mind for you know from childhood. But as new companies would surface, I was like, well, I want to be there. I think that's where I fit in. And that's that's genuinely what I felt about TNA. I felt like if there's a company that I fit in at, it's there. It's there. They're, they have so many, you know, they've got they've got more different flavors of ice cream than anywhere else. And I think I might be able to be down there with the Wild and Reckless and the weird, the Sherbert flavors. I was like, there's room for me there. And so getting there felt was very, very validating because I had thought that, you know, e- even before I was ever had ever touched a ring, I was like, that might be where I end up. That's where my dreams will come true. Uh, it's not where my dreams came true, but it's where a few did. That was the first time my grandma ever got to see me wrestle because I was on cable. She could, you know, a lot of the other TV wrestling I'd done was regional or syndicated everywhere, but San Diego. And my Grammy, who had supported me, you know, more than anybody, she would always tape Raw and SmackDown for me when I was out delivering pizza. And she would get the commercials out of there. She knew how to, she knew when they were going to go to break. She knew when they were coming back. Like she was that was the first time she got to watch me wrestle. And I was like, that's all I cared about in that moment. I was so, so stoked to know that she was going to see that, you know, and, and it was live. And that was really cool because, you know, TNA was only live for, you know, a certain chunk of time. And to be a part of that, where which is much more challenging on a performer than people realize, you know, when it comes to TV, there's 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 time involved with it with live TV. And it adds a whole different layer of stress to, to being a professional wrestler. You know, it's it's not like, you know, you tape stuff that can be edited like that's live, baby. You better go out there and kick ass and and, and be out before commercial. <laughs> Because that's a that's a whole yeah it is a whole other thing because not only are you sort of having to mentally go through the match that you're doing but also kind of back of your mind you're counting the minutes as well <laughs> like and you can't and it's funny because you can't go short either like that's just as bad as going long it's just a different type of terrible situation so it's like you really gotta you really gotta freaking you know stop in the right spot you know it's 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 a lot of stress it's a challenge and. Uh, I remember um, Earl Hebner, uh, you know, uh, I took nasty finish from uh, Kenny King. One, two, three. I'm looking up at the lights and I'm like, well, you did it. You you wrestled on TNA. You wrestled on live TV. And I'm saying this in my head and it was weird. It was like Earl Hebner was in there because he rolled me out. And I swear he said, and you hit your time. Perfect, kid. Because he said it. <laughs> he said it. But like in my head, it came in the cadence with the list in my head. 
So like it was so strange. He was and he was like, "You did great, kid. You did great." And I was like, "Wow, Earl Hebner, Earl Hebner." More importantly, what did Granny say? Oh, she was so she. It's weird because like she's watched so much wrestling with me over the years. She had watched so much that she doesn't, but she never still knew what to call things. And so she would be like, "Oh, you did that big jump." And I was like, I did do that big jump, Grammy. Thank you. <laughs> and, she, and her main thing was that my hair was too damn long. She was like, you need to cut your hair. <laughs> that's very, that's, that's, that's very much every grandparent watching. Oh, yeah. I don't like your hair in that bit. <laughs> oh, man. And my hair was pretty, pretty gross and bad and long at the time. But I mean, it suited the, it suited the look. But uh, Grammy wanted her little, her little oh. handsome boy out there. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Fill in a little bit of the gap there between sort of you rushing back and forth to watch TNA, to being in TNA. So you decide, so you're going to California to become a wrestler. Who, who did well, you- I'm from California. Oh, sorry, apologies. Uh, you, but you were traveling, to, you were off to go and become a wrestler just after Unbreak. Yeah, so you were making I, grew, I, I grew up near the border uh, in Chula Vista down South San Diego. Uh, and, but my house was actually closer to the border than that even. But that's like where I went to school and everything was Chula Vista. And then the school I was going to go to was UPW where John Cena went. And that was in uh, LA by LAX. So- it was like two and a half hours from my house, but you know, I still, you know, had lived in the same house forever. It was, it was a bit of a shock. It was a bit of a shock and I didn't do well with it at first. I would come home like every weekend. I would, uh, I moved in 05 right after unbreakable. And then um, I didn't start actually wrestling class though. UPW training, it started on January 1st. And so I was like, well, I got a couple months of nothing so uh my friends got me like a weight set so i started you know lifting weights and all i all i did was order vhs tapes off amazon and post on wrestlingfigs.com uh that's like all i did i would i would 
pretend to lift weights and then I would watch wrestling tapes and I just lived alone in the studio. I didn't know anybody. Uh, so I would come home kind of a lot. Like, and then once school actually started the training, it was a uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, and then Saturday afternoons and Saturday afternoon, as soon as class was done, I would go home, I'd pack my laundry and I would go home and I would come back Tuesday afternoon before class. And it got to a point where I was like really discouraged because it was hard. It was so much harder than I thought it would be to not live with my parents, to not be able to see my friends, you know, like that, just drive up the street and go to my buddy's house. Uh, it was really hard. It was so much harder than I thought and everything hurt. And, you know, some of the guys at UPW were, they're shitheads, you know, it didn't, you know, I was a tiny kid. I weighed a hundred pounds when I started UPW and, you know, so I got roughed around. I got roughed up a lot and I was just it's like, oh, maybe I was not cut out for this. And it was hard. And I ended up moving home uh, mostly because I was getting evicted. I had a dog and you weren't supposed to have a dog, but the dog saved my life. Like literally, I was so alone and so frustrated that I thought I was like not cut out for it. Uh, and my sister needed me to help her. She rescued a dog and it came with another one. Like you have to take both. And she's like, will you take this one? And I was like, yeah, even though you could not have a dog in this apartment. And they found out and they were trying to evict me and stuff. My dad, you know, laid the hammer down on them and told him, you know, not happening. You're not putting that on his record. So I ended up just moving home and pretty much giving up for, shoot, almost a, uh, almost a year. I was just like, well, I tried and I got a job. I got a really good job and I got fat and like I got a girlfriend and I got fat and like it was just giving up. And then, um, my buddy, Ricky Mandel, uh, he was Ricky Mundo on Lucha Underground. Uh, he was my friend at UPW. He was the first friend I made in wrestling. Even before I met Johnny Goodtime, I met him like my third week there. Uh, he was still a trainee, but he was already on shows. Um, and then Ricky messaged me on MySpace. <laughs> oh, and there it is. That's a deep there's the date. Is. There's the date right there. That's dating me. Uh, he messaged me on MySpace and said, hey, man, I don't know if you still are into pro wrestling or wanted to do it, but I saw there's a school opening in San Diego. Here's the info. And it was a school called New Wave Pro Wrestling. And it was going to be coached by B-Boy. Like, nice. like, like, you know, SoCal legend, independent. Like, where I was like, oh, shit, B-Boy? That's a good fucking dude to learn from. I'm going to go. And I went. And, you know, me and Benny are friends. We've been friends for, shoot, over a decade now. But uh, he never came, not once. The guys who opened the school with the intention of him being the coach, they ended up being the trainers. And I was just like, and they'd been wrestling for a while, but I had come from such a good school that I was just kind of using their ring as a place to remember what I had learned. Um, it was kind of just a refresher. And that was November 07, September 07. I started training again. So like a whole year off uh, and about 95 pounds more total. And, um, and then I started training with them and somebody got hurt and they're like, Hey, you're ready for a show. And I was like, okay, I look like trash, like absolute trash. And they had us do a gimmick at class. They were like, Hey, make up a gimmick. You guys have five minutes to make up a gimmick. You have to stay in character all night. And I had long blonde hair at the time. And I was like, oh, I'll just be a stoner surfer. No bit like whatever, easy. And I was doing like standing on the guy's back and, you know, just doing dumb shit. And they're like, hey, that's perfect. You're going to be a surfer on the show. And I was like, <laughs> and, and this is this is a shoot. And I was like, and I told him, and this because this is a shoot. I was like, I don't even know how to swim. I was like, I am not a surfer. I was like, I, I go to the beach, but 
I dip my toe and then I go back on the sand and throw the football around a little bit. I was like, I don't, I'm not a surfer. And they're like, no, but it works. So we're going to put you with this kid. And so they put me with another kid from the class who was, you know, I was like, are you serious? Here we go. We were called Surf's Up. I was Johnny Mahalo and my partner was named Kona Chris and I named us and I didn't realize that Kona means woman. <laughs> it's also a place, but I think, I believe it are, means woman. Are you woman. sure you didn't know? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> well, even funnier, I got my name from a trash can at a Hawaiian <laughs> restaurant because it, instead of saying thank you on, on the trash bin, it says Mahalo. And I was like, boom. That's going to be my name. And I designed this crazy board shorts. The guy, the gear guy fucking did not make them. Like I got to post a picture of them one day, but the shorts I wore for my first match ever were not the neon board shorts of the 1990s that you would want on a server wrestler. No, no, no. These were solid blue, solid blue with the Guamanian flag on one side. You know what I'm talking about. You can picture the Guam. You can picture the... It didn't say Guam. That's the only thing it didn't do. It just had the logo. And then three <laughs> giant Doink the Clown daisies on the other leg. Sounds fine. Sounds fine. What are we talking about? Sounds great, bro. <laughs> I was so mad. It's the morning of the show. And, and they're huge and they're thick. They're the thickest freaking shorts you've ever seen. And so I go out there and I wrestle barefoot in these shorts with a gray wife beater hiding my hideous body. I throw three of the worst drop kicks you have ever seen. Two okay arm drags. And then they start, uh, they were uh, uh, American Navy was their gimmick. They're called Anchors Away. Um, Amazing. And during the, they, they, like the ref got bumped and so they were going to beat us with their belt this is my first match ever and there's a freaking ref bump or a ref distract or something and they're like they're like yeah we're gonna hit you with our belts during the heat and i was like it was my first match ever and i was like that kind of seems like some bullshit i was like i was like i'm i was like i'm an adult like i'm not gonna get taken advantage of and so they start hitting us with the belt and i get hit twice and i was like no way I brought like 75 people. I drew 75 people to this. Show. The place was packed, by the way, because it was the company's first real show and it debuted like four students. So it was so full, like over 70 people paid to see me. It was one of those situations where as a, as a trainee, because I've heard this from a few people doing this show where you would, the, 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 the bookers would go, or the promoters would go, hey, uh, um, get as many tickets as you can and you'll get a cut of that. Like sell as many yep. tickets as you can and you'll get a percentage of that. This was not like that. That's very common, but this was just, hey, you better tell all your friends and family so you don't wrestle in front of nobody. And right, I was like, fair enough. So, yeah, they hit me with this belt. And after two, I was like, no, nah, all my boys are here. My girl's here. My family's here. I was like, I'm not getting whooped like this. I was like, I'm already embarrassed because I know my drop kicks look like shit in the beginning. I was like, I'm not going to get whipped with this belt. So I turned over and I just lay there and look at, at him. I was like, he's not going to hit me in the front. And the guy starts going, he was like, Turn over, turn over. I can't hit you. Turn over. And I just laid there. I was like, you're not going to hit me in the face with the belly. So, and so he just stopped instead. <laughs> I was like, you're not hitting me. You're not hitting me. Jeez. What, what, what a showing. What a first night on the books. <laughs> My first match uh, was, was very bad. I think I 
no, in my second match. I was thinking I I caught a dive in like one of my first two matches, and I remember being so scared. Like, like I wish I hadn't said yes to being it. And it was like three of us. Like it was as safe, you know, as safe as you can get it. But I was just like, Oh, I should not have said yes. I should not have said yes. I should not have said yes. And then, you know, it's over. And I was like, Oh. Yeah, character stuff is, is so important in wrestling. And there are some people that I think that still miss how crucial it is. Whilst the wrestling, you know, being, you know, being able to wrestle safely and effectively is is paramount, but you 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 gotta have a gimmick. You gotta have something that makes you jump out. And and to, to go back through your your time in wrestling, you you've you tried and tested so many uh, different styles, presentations. Um, do you have a few favorites that you've done over over the years? Um I honestly, the, the most fun I I'm having is, is, is as Captain Yuma or, you know, since the rock nest monsters returned from their, their journey in space, that's been the most fun. But, uh, I think, um, uh, you know, I, I did the rock and roll rebel soul, Johnny Yuma, you know, I did the, the long blonde head and bleh, I can't even do it anymore. Cause his fingers so messed up from wrestling. Um, like I, I thought that had a lot of legs and I almost had a really cool opportunity uh, when urban wrestling federation was happening, you know, it was like rat beefs turning into like matches. And like, that was the angles was like in your chain snatch and like all the hip hop, hip hop, the streets, the streets, the streets. And they were like, Hey, we're thinking about bringing you in as like the rock, like the rock guy, like the punk rock guy. Like you're just going to be like the total, like standing out like a sore thumb. Everybody's going to hate you. And I was like, let's do it. They ended up not doing it, but I that that one kind of always bugged me. I was like, I feel like the shitty rock and roller guy, it's been done to death. But I, I felt like I was doing it a little different and just a different presentation. I'm trying to think, because I was a surfer, I was a rock and roll guy, and then I was just like a guy for like a really long time. And I never liked being just a wrestler. Um, I was like, this doesn't feel right. I was like, what is, I was like, the Rockness Monsters gimmick is that we're excited. I was like, that's, I was like, you know, I want more. I want more. And so I, I think being a character is always a lot more fun for me. I, I had a lot of scrapped characters that didn't end up happening that would have been fun. Uh, I almost had like a, like a David Bowie gimmick. I was, uh, I wanted to be, I forget what it is, something Stardust. I think it was Philly Stardust because my dad's uh, name is Phil. And I, and I, you know, I would have the face paint and, you know, uh, what were some other ones? Oh, uh, me and me and Peter Avalon, uh, we used to team a lot actually. Like, cause some places wouldn't book me and Kevin together. Kevin was like always like a he was a heavyweight singles guy like at a couple other places. So me and Peter would team there, would team a lot of places, and we were called the Billboard Boys, and um, we would come out to like different uh top forty pop songs. You know, that was our things because we love pop music. We genuinely do. And we had tried to be like, okay, this is like too plain. Again, we're just people who like music. Oh, so what? You're just everybody, everybody. And then we really like the episode of King of the Hill when they go down and see Bill Dotrieve's family in uh, New Orleans. And they're, and so they got that Southern. And so we had come up with a tag team called Southern Comfort uh, where we would wrestle in, you know, in all white, like, um, uh, like Southern dandies, basically. <laughs> And uh, we were going to be Gigolo Johnny Thibodeau and Pretty Peter Dotrieve, Southern Comfort. And we were, we were going to talk about getting the vapors and 
and all this <laughs> like we and we would cut promos like we would always cut promos at uh aws shows in those voices and like it would always kill everybody but it was just like but like what are you gonna do you're gonna wrestle in clothes like it just became a logistic thing and we wanted to have rocking chairs like for our promos and and like mint juleps and shit and it's just it was like dude this is creating like a nightmare for yourself like you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna bring a rocking chair to the ring every match and i was like two rocking chairs we're a team so where did the uh, where did the spaceman come from what's the story behind the spaceman getting abducted and going to space and being cloned only to return and exterminate our clones and now we're back and we're brilliant. here to keep we're here <laughs> to keep everybody safe we won the tag we won the uh hollywood heritage tag team titles in tijuana mexico the night after thanksgiving in 2014 on our way back across the border we were abducted and sent to space where we were cloned our evil clones were sent back down to earth in our stead and created havoc they were known as vermin so vermin was raising hell for years in southern california even all the way out to czw and they're actually created by some mean old aliens in space we were finally broken free we were remade we were made cosmic knights by the republic of cosmic knights nebular emission spiral who then sent us back down to earth to eliminate our clones they unfortunately ran away before we could truly exterminate them but they haven't returned so i think we're doing okay seems legit love it <laughs> wrestling's wrestling's brilliant wrestling <laughs> wrestling is just brilliant like when you, you can be whatever you want it to you be. Can be whatever you want it to be. And it's always the best when it's when when there's when when there is that that silliness to it. When it's you know, the, the phrase I always use lovingly, and I use it lovingly because God, I like I'm a massive fan of like Chikara and places like that when it exists. Yeah, hell yeah. Because that because because it embraces that uh, that mm-hmm. concept that wrestling is the best when it's inherently bollocks, and when it is, it's brilliant. Because that's because that's when you can truly expand the medium and and enjoy it and appreciate it. And I kind of I feel weird attaching all of this law or all this all this um uh, all this analysis to essentially the fact that there are evil clones of you running around and we should probably be looking into that. <laughs> we we should we should um you know I my evil clone raised my son for quite a few years. He didn't sire him. I I was still on Earth when that happened, but he. He raised him, and my son turned out okay. So I'm curious. So if, far, they could have planted something. He's, he's, <laughs> maybe he's got a code word, like he's like a sleeper oh. agent. Oh no! Wait, shit, that's not good. I must tell you this story because it's very similar. A mate of mine um, said he had a plan for. He said, "He said I'm not a dad, but what I want to do is I want to." Uh, when my, if I have a child, I want to take a picture of the child not long after they're born and put one of those aging filters on it so they look older. And I want to put the picture in a frame in the, on the staircase in our home. So as the child is growing up, there's this, this picture of this old man that looks a bit like him. And to the point where he gets older, and eventually he'll say, Dad, who is that old man? And then he says, oh, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you mentioned it. It's time to tell you. And he said, then I'm going to bring out like an object, like a kettle or a toaster or something. He said, right, you're from the future and you brought this with you. Only you know how it works. You must remember. <laughs> oh my God. Isn't what a long call. Isn't that dark? That's fucked up. <laughs> we don't talk so much anymore, but. I... <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a little. 
stayed with me though. It stayed with it's haunted me. You know what though? I'm a big fan of when people specifically use pictures in their house as like part of any prank. Maybe not so mean spirited as that, but like when people like hide pictures like in their house, like I'm big on that. So that part was cool, and then it got a little darker. It got a bit dark at the end. <laughs> it certainly did. Um, we've still got one more match for your DVD that we've got to get to. Oh yeah. Um, but I like to surprise people with this. It's not bad, bro. Um, as well as taking uh, three wrestling matches, you can also take with you a movie, an album, and a luxury item. Uh, so if I said to you off the top of your head, you could take a movie with you, what movie would you take? I would take Star Wars A New Hope. Excellent. I was, I was hoping you'd pick a Star Wars film, and I was hoping, intrigued to see which one you were going to pick, and it's going to be episode yeah. four. Uh, as, a, yeah. as a Star Wars fan... Where do we sit on seven, eight, and nine? Love them. Yeah, I, I see the I see the issues. I guess I mean, as someone who was genuinely like completely satisfied, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it could have been a lot easier if there was just one person for all three. But saying that, I don't like saying that because of how much I like the Last Jedi and I like Ryan Johnson's risks. I like that he did that. I don't know if the middle of the last chunk was the right time to take the risks. But then when is it? So it's like, it's like, it's tough for me to say, I wish it was JJ all three, or I wish it was even Ryan all three because I liked what both did. I just wish they melded it a little better, but, but what people, and I guess as a diehard star Wars fan, it's, it's hard for me to see things from like a casual point of view. But like, I mean, for me, those three movies, I loved them. And now they're being enriched by even things like the Bad Batch, the same way the Clone Wars enriched the prequels. I loved the prequels. I never had an issue with those. Phantom Menace is my number three favorite movie of all time. Um, but it's like these things have other content that enriches them. And I, I get that it sucks because you should have your meal in that plate, you know, right there. Don't make me grab some sides, you know, like the movie should be, should have most of the answers. And I feel like maybe, maybe it's not fair. But as a Star Wars geek, I mean, I, I embrace it. Mm. You know, answer that question in another medium. I like that. I like that. But I get how you're pretty mad. Like, where did Snoke come from? What now? He was a clone. Like, I'm getting my answers in The Mandalorian. And I love it. But I understand that people maybe didn't like that. They don't want to do the extra work. And I, and I don't think they should have to. Yeah. But for me. Sorry, I interrupted you there. I apologize. Oh, no, I was just saying for me, I mean, I loved them. I love the prequels. I love the sequels. I love the originals. My rankings shift a lot, but my three has been firm for years now. A New Hope, number one. Return of the Jedi, number two. Phantom Menace, number three. Nice. Nice. I mean, what you say is true in the sense that, you know, people don't maybe want the questions answered in other things. I've got no issue in not some, I, I don't, I, I think all the questions should be answered in the main uh, the, the the main drag, the main the main product, but then I've got no issue with other questions being asked in other things that don't you don't need to to have both, but you can enjoy one or the other. And I think that the the breadth of which uh, there are there are so there are platforms for this sort of thing allows things like the Mandalorian, the Bad Batch to be made. Uh, I think like if you go back to when the first three Star Wars films came out, that you know you had TV 
and you had the Star Wars Christmas special, which was the only other thing I think outside of <laughs> yeah. those three. Yeah. But imagine if we had stuff like Netflix and Amazon Video and Disney Plus when the first three was coming out. We would have definitely had a sitcom based on the on the Cantina that felt like oh, yeah. years. That's we would have yep. definitely had that. And I wish we would. You know what? I was I made a joke about it. Uh, I'm a really big Married with Children fan, and I was just watching, you know, just watching some episodes, and I was like, you know what? If we had Disney Plus in 1996, we would have Shadows of the Empire with Ted McGinley as Dash Rendar, and I I popped his head on there on, on a quick Photoshop, and I was just like, holy shit! I was like, I'm heartbroken. We could have had an awesome, and like I can picture the way it looks. Like I'm seeing like almost like a Firefly quality. Where it's like they're doing their they're doing their best, but it's also 1997. I know Firefly was way later after that, but you know what I mean. Like they would have a big budget, but it would still be 1997 tech and TV, you know. But I'm seeing Shadows of the Empire with that effort, and it looks so cool in my head, and it, it just breaks my heart that you know we can't we can't have that. Never say never. Never say never. That's true with Star Wars, especially. Yeah, especially now. Now I think it's just now we're just going to get Star Wars films and, and licenses forever now. It's going to be like Bond, like just every couple of years. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. Star fingers, Wars. Fingers crossed. Almost definitely. I love it. Uh, how about an album? What album would you take with you? Whew, that's probably the hardest one because I have such eclectic taste. Thanks to my mother and father and grandmother. Oh, that's tough. That is really hard because oh. I feel like I'm gonna have to be. I feel like I'm gonna have to cheat and pick some greatest hits album. Do you know what? You, you know what? It's fine because we 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 had somebody on. We had one of our guys who was on recently who picked ABBA Gold, so that's fine. You can pick a. Oh, by the way, the new album. the new ABBA the new ABBA stuff is great. I just heard Ooh, two of their reckon, new songs. Reckon, which if out of the two, which is which one stands out to you? Um, I kind of like the ballad a little more, the longer one, just because it's just it's just beautiful. But man, I really love the way the the other one don't uh, something about life. Don't don't let, like, is that what it is? Don't yeah. The way that one when that one does pick up, like it's it's like I like that one. But but the the ballad is just it's wonderful, and the video that goes with it is really fun to watch. I, I, Ooh, maybe I think I'll bring first, some ABBA. Oh, there you go. I think the first time I heard them, I went, I went oh, it's 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 it sounds like a dirge, and then the other one sounds <laughs> like sounds like what if Jimmy Hart was asked to make Dancing Queen. For WCW, <laughs> dude, yes, it does. It definitely had enough. All of, uh, uh, Fernando and um, and Dancing Queen to it, where it does sound like it would be like a sound alike. If there was an ABBA group in two thousand one, WCW feuding with Three Count, Jimmy Hart would have made that. He would have made that. I just thought I, I they've both grown on me now. Especially the, the the ballad one has grown on me now after a couple of weeks. But I just thought that ABBA were going to come back with like a disco banger and just go, this yeah. is how it's done, you, you marks. I kind of wanted them to come back and just show everybody, this is how you do disco. I'll go, yeah. That, but this time. That, that is, that's what I was hoping to, honestly, because I just, I mean, I love disco music, especially ABBA. And so I was like really hoping i was like man i was like maybe there's a maybe they'll have a third i haven't heard the album so I was like maybe there's a third single on there somewhere that'll come out a little later that's a little more upbeat dancey 
but man, I cannot think of an album. Uh, let's go well, Fury of the Aquabats. Well, I, think, well, I'll just, I, I have to say that we do multiple different podcasts here at Cultaholic, and this week I was uh, there was the podcast we did with the, the other presenters here. There's a classic SmackDown podcast that we do where we watch old episodes of SmackDown, and then there's this one. And in all three, the subject of ABBA's new songs have come up in different ways. Well, I'm glad because <laughs> I'm I, I know when I see the SmackDown fist, I think ABBA. <laughs> Friday night and the nights are low. That's what we all think. Uh, all right, I'm going to push you for an album. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Uh, I think I'm going to go with The Fury of the Aquabats. No. Oh. Aquabats Charge, their 05 album. Why, why have you just changed it to Charge there? What's, 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 what's on that one? Because I, w- I went with Fury because Fury is what got me hooked. But I think Charge is the best example of what a genuinely great band they are. They're not just it, it reminds me of like the workers that you love, the wrestlers that you love for their look and their entrance. But you forget that they're genuinely, technically incredibly skilled underneath. That's how I see the Aquabats. It's a group of amazing musicians that decided to have fun instead. And, how and that about- album is just it's just good. It just it, it's just good. It's just different, you know. Like it doesn't have, you know. There's like almost no ska to it, which, which, you know. I at first I was like, I remember it came out on my birthday, and I was like, "Where's the horns?" And I was like, "Never mind. This guitar is fucking killer." How <laughs> about a luxury item then? So this can be something with some sentimental value. It can be maybe a bit of tech. It can be a gadget. Uh, something to you know, some entertainment unit to keep you going. Uh, what would you like to take with you? Um, I think if it was uh, just to keep me entertained, I would probably bring my uh, Game Boy Advance SP. A very specific version of the Game Boy. There is it was is that your definitive one? The the Game Boy Advance SP. Um, yeah, because it's backwards. The backwards compa- compatibility is still there even though it's not comfortable to have like a Game Boy cart in there, but that, and then the light, like the light was just game built in light was just, or backlit, even though it's not good. Um, I, I would have picked a more modern console if the, if the virtual consoles and the stores and the D and the downloadable games were more robust. But if I brought my Game Boy with the collection I have, I'd be good. What, be good. Uh, what sort of games have we got for the Game Boy then? I mean, I would, I would, try to uh beat my score on donkey kong 94 which is one of my favorite games ever um i would i don't think i would touch my pokemon red the battery i think is still alive i'm afraid to power it on but it's had my 150 caught the right way no cheating but i ruined it because i did the rare candy cheat after i completed it so i could make my uh mewtwo level 100 because i just was gonna battle a friend and he had some level 100s because he had cheated and it's it corrupted my hall of fame so that bummed me out but oh no but i yeah i i would probably yeah i'd probably play through pokemon silver because i played crystal and now i have silver also so i was like i'll probably play silver i mean shoot i got freaking uh ballerina toshinden just fight all the time throw away fights when i'm bored uh all the mario uh, Mario 2, oh, six gold coins, and then Wario right after oh, that. I mean, yeah. I would probably be happier on the island with my Game Boy. <laughs> I think Mario Land 2 is 
I, I want to say woefully underrated, but probably at the time it was rated. But oh yeah, I it's always like... been pretty highly rated. But mm-hmm. I want to revisit it. I want one of these 3D worlds to go back to these places he hasn't been. I want him to go to Sarasa Land from Mario Land, Mario Land Two with like the giant robot Mario. Like I, I want. I just in my perfect world there'd be a game called Super Mario Universe, and you can revisit the Dreamland from Mario Two. Do both Game Boy ones like there's just so much more Mario that gets neglected, and they expand past it. And I'm like, no, go back, go back. Yeah. Like yeah. I, 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 I want them to go into the Dream World again so bad with the shy guys and snippets, all those characters. Like I love that. That's my favorite Mario game is Mario Two. Well, it, Mario sixty four is my favorite game of all time. But mm-hmm. it's funny how that game is. It is kind of forgotten. It feels like I think because it. Well, because it was it was you know it was Doji Panic, but um, yeah, Mario all over it. But it's still like it still holds well. It's still I love the fact that it's a Mario game that is so different to, to yeah, and it else. added it, it, it. So many mechanics, you know, came back like picking things up, throwing things. I was like, they, like this is Mario. If you could do more, why do you like not like it? And it introduced some like long lasting characters, like Shy Guy. That's one of my favorite. Like, um characters in any media uh you know a lot of that stuff stuck around but it's like dude let's let's let mario fight wart the toad again <laughs> let's let's do it i want a mario game in 3d where i'm throwing turnips into wart's mouth to, to yes. end the game. that's what i want <laughs> let, let me kill him with an overdose of vegetables <laughs> <laughs> uh looking ahead in the world of the wrestling then um yes. what's on the horizon over that now the world's getting back to normal now that wrestling is getting back to normal uh what's on the horizon uh for captain humor well the rockness monsters have some exciting dates uh coming up and hopefully and in the new year a couple of new states and debuts for bigger companies but soon in october I'm one of the founding members of a new company here in Southern California called Raise the Bar Wrestling. Um, you know, everyone is fully aware of uh, the speaking out movement and and the way it changed wrestling uh, and taking steps towards the better, eliminating the people that have no place uh, around what we do or anything for that matter. And, you know, a lot of things changed and all over the country, a lot of companies closed in other countries too. You know, these people were gone and the things they were attached to came went with it. And, um, you know, the closure of bar wrestling or it going away, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, it affected a lot of us. It was it was our home base. You know, it was it was a lot of homegrown talents uh, giving it their all on an, what would normally be an off night. You know, Thursday night's not a night. A lot of people get get to work and make some money wrestling. So uh, we me and a couple of the guys that uh, worked with me at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, we said. Hey, we got to do something. What are we going to do? And we were going to run at the bootleg theater, which, you know, a good friend of mine managed it. We were, everything was ready to go. And then like right before things were opening, it, it, it shut down. The owner sold. It. And so it felt like we weren't going to do anything. I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of the end of that. That was like our, we had had our headset on it for like a year, you know, um, and then, you know, a, a, a legendary venue kind of came 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 into our lap, you know, out of nowhere. We, we, we took it and we ran with it. And Raise the Bar Wrestling will be at the Pomona Glass House on October 14th, featuring main event AJ Gray versus SoCal's monster Watts. 
And we also have Adrian Quest versus Lee Moriarty, two of the highest paced uh, technical up and coming wrestlers in on the planet right now. Uh, first time ever meeting. So we got some big main events, a lot of local talent on there. It's it's about us. It's it's about Southern California. You know, there will always be guests, but but it's about us it, 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 and our scene and making it better and getting, you know, getting rid of the things from the past and, and just looking towards the future and making it better and, and safer for everybody. And that's a, it's a hard task. I already feel like we're not doing good enough, but, you know, um, we're doing everything we can to make sure the talent's taken care of. Um, and, you know, no creeps welcome. You know, cut and dry, like there's just not, not nobody, nobody like that is welcome. And, you know, not in the crowd, not in the back. And we don't, we just, we just want to wrestle for the fans that, you know, always supported us at bootleg at Baldwin park at the glass house uh, as well. You know, we, we want to give those people a good show and we want to keep doing what we love to do in, in a, in a better environment. Things can be better here and we're going to try. In the wake of uh, of uh, the speaking out movement uh, that came through wrestling, um, how has the, how has the reaction been to like uh, uh, you guys another wrestling promotion setting up in 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 the Southern California area? Like, what's been the what's been the general reaction that you've seen so far? Um, you know, honestly, like I would say ninety nine percent positive. There was a lot of there was a few naysayers immediately assuming that uh you know some ne'er-do-wells would be involved with the product but i mean you know other than my my word as a man and you know uh, a father and husband and professional you know those people aren't involved plain and simple you know i won't say the names but when people ask i'll tell them the answer and the answer is no you know and and it, luckily there wasn't that too much of that because i think i've done my best to build a good reputation as someone who genuinely cares about our scene and cares about our talent, I, you know, I can, I am proud to be an ally of, of all people. And, and I think, and I, and I just, I, I hope people know that and truly believe that because that's all I can do is hope, you know, um, that little bit of negative worried me, but then the amount of positive reaction, you know, it's just people excited to see their, their homegrown talent again. You know, we were the heart and soul, uh, of these other promotions that are now gone and and we have to keep going for them and we have to keep going for us you know we're going to stay on thursday nights so the guys and girls can still get the friday saturday sunday money you know the idea is to make everything better for everybody and and hopefully you know hopefully we have a big hot crowd for our inaugural show and we can just keep doing it monthly and build to bigger events um you know we're in talks with a lot of really solid promotions for co-promoting and and you know crossover events and i think it's going to be a really good thing for southern california and, their, and it's pro wrestlers see it's it's the little things like the fact that it's a thursday night and, and you said it there and i was going to mention it anyway but you said it there it's the fact that you've got an amazing groundswell of, of talent in that area that because you're running raise the bar on a thursday night like they can still hit the weekend loops and they can still do all of that stuff as well but it's just an extra day for them to work it's another opportunity for them to perform as well uh, do you feel like obviously you know rockness monsters got we've got busy times ahead you guys have but can you see yourself maybe transitioning into a a, a full-time non-wrestling promoter role at some point is that on the horizon um, i i do um only because i just I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think I could let 
something I, I put so much work into just go away, you know, like I, I, I see raise the bar as being successful and I don't mean putting a ton of money in my pocket. Everybody knows that that's not how promoting works. Um, but you know, I hope it lasts a long time. And I think if it were to be, you know, a nice monthly thing that, that lasts, I would continue to help be in charge of it. Even after I step out of the ring, I don't know when that will be hopefully no time soon. I was feeling, I was feeling froggy at NWA. I'm feeling good and I'm ready to, to keep doing this, but I've never stopped working hard behind the scenes too. Um, you know, four of my busiest years were running championship wrestling from Hollywood and still wrestling as, you know, as often as possible. So uh, I'll do both until it's time to do just the one, but I do think I would stay involved in the wrestling industry. I've just put too much of my life into it. I care about it too much and I care about the people too much. You know, a lot of young talent I really care about that still have a good 10, 12 years ahead of them. You know, I would hate to not be someone they could, they felt they could lean on anymore because I just, you know, give up and go away completely. You know, I know what it's like to be in their shoes and I'll always remember what it's like to be in their shoes. And I feel like I would be doing the industry a disservice if I don't pass on the, the knowledge that's been passed on to me down to them. I'm sure I would stick around. Uh, Raise the bar wrestling at the glass house, October the 14th. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, your first event of, of no doubt many. Uh, and if people want to get tickets, how can they do so? Oh, I'm going to look like a real crappy. I know it's on their official website on the glass house's official website, but I want to make sure that I say the right thing. At raise the bar CA on Twitter as well. If they want yes. To raise it. And, and, um, Instagram as well. Boy, I sure prepared to bring my matches on a desert island, but not my information. Matches, but so, not the, I, I think we just, if we just send people to at raise the bar CA, I'm looking now and, and they're, yeah, at, they're, ra at raise the bar CA on Twitter and Instagram. That'll have all your info for tickets from the glass house and, um, and the, the rest of the card. Uh, laid out as well. Beautiful match. Graphics were made for us by the incredibly talented Hiban Huerta. He's an amazing photographer and graphic designer, and we're super lucky to not only have him in our scene, but on our team specifically. So go look at those gorgeous flyers on uh, Raise the Bar CA on Instagram and Twitter. Lovely. Okay, so your third and final match then, Captain. Edge and Christian versus the Dudleys at Royal Rumble. Uh, we had that one. We had uh, Samoa Joe versus Christopher Daniels versus AJ Styles from Unbreakable 2005. What's your final match going to be? Actually, you've got some honorable mentions, haven't you, that you wanted to get? Oh, yes. Do some honorable mentions. mentions. So mostly uh, some junior junior heavyweight work here. Oh, no, not mostly. It's all it's it's weird. Okay. Test versus Brock Lesnar from King of the Ring 2002. Great work. Those two battered each other. Oh, dude. And I like, I'm a heat. I've always loved Test. Like, to me, like him not winning the world title towards the end of 99. Like, I was like, man, after Stephanie, like, like come on. Like, why? Like, I could go on for way too long about that. But yeah, Agreed. I love Test. Big Brock fan. And they just, mm, they just beat the tar out of each other. And I'm not really always into that. But when it's like too literal, like, beast men like they're like out of greek mythology they're fictional those are fictional like men like a centaur test against minotaur brock and they were just oh man that's a brutal match and that reminds me of one that wasn't on this list that i'm going to include for the same reason that is lord tensai versus sheamus they had two matches on raw that were just just out of this world like just just like just brutal 
just hard hitting pro wrestling. Um, we've got Rhino versus Raven for the hardcore title at Backlash 2001, the oh, absolute man. show stealer on a card full of good matches. I picture, as you uh, say that, I picture Rhino getting gored into the trolley. Yes, and I was hoping you would say trolley because we're from different places. <laughs> <laughs> Shop or as, you, or as you call it, soccer. No, uh, shopping trolley or shopping carts. Shopping cart, yeah, yeah. I was like, what do we call it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that match is killer. So good, so good. Especially the like the last like, boom, boom, boom. It's done. Like it's it's so crazy. Like Ray, you really think Raven's gonna win, and then he just gets gored out of his boots. Uh, Kane versus Viscera at Backlash 2005. That's very special to me because Viscera had returned with uh, Gangrel for that brief bit with the Undertaker, and he stuck around. And I didn't think he was gonna stick around, and I certainly didn't think he was gonna get you know like matches. Um, but yeah, him and Kane had that that bit with Trish and um, Lillian and no, I don't know if Lillian was in that part. It was it was the stuff around Trish Stratus and Kane and Viscera. And I remember Viscera had a big old thing of condoms. That was really funny, um, terrible but funny. And then yeah, they had a cool monster match. Like uh, not everyone's cup of tea, but certainly mine. And then the last honorable mention is two of. In my opinion, the greatest junior heavyweights of all time, X-Pac versus Tajiri, SummerSlam 2001. And it's got a little run-in from Albert, and so it makes it even better. Uh, there's like double mist. It's like it's great. It's such a good match. Nice. And I'd forgotten about Tajiri and X-Pac from SummerSlam. Like that invasion era is so they throw so much at you in that in that nine-month space. You keep you, you forget, oh yeah, that happened. Oh yeah, that and was a match that happened. And it's crazy because like they were doing the crop, they were doing the matches on Heat, on Jack. Like it was like there was like four shows a week you had to pay attention to if you wanted to make sure you caught, you know, like Gregory Helms versus Kidman, you know, like little it was hard. It was really hard to keep up with, but luckily, you know, I had nothing to do but watch wrestling and tape <laughs> it. So, you know, I never missed Jindrak and O'Hare on Heat. I got it on VHS. <laughs> a collector's item now, if there ever was one. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the last match I'm bringing, it's cheap. We I mentioned it with the albums. It's the greatest hits. Royal Rumble 2000. Nice. That's a good shout of a Rumble. I like that. A few people pick Rumbles before because you kind of get a little bit of everything in a Rumble, don't you? So my main thing, Back to Star. I always compared to Star Wars. Is is I I need, I need my menagerie. Like I need a bunch. I like a bunch of guys. Like oh, who's that? What's that? So the first time I ever watched wrestling was just three days before that, and SmackDown went off the air with the old everybody's brawling because of Rumbles this Sunday. Who's gonna win it? And everyone came out, and I was like, <sighs> I didn't. You know, I recognized the Canes and, and certain guys, but like like guys in skirts came out. I didn't know who the headbangers were. I was like, yo, well, who are those guys? Who's those? So I'm losing my mind. I don't get to watch the pay-per-view until my friend uh, let me borrow his taped copy. So it was probably into February. I think it was right before No Way Out. I finally got to see Royal Rumble. Um, and that the match itself, first of all, the card is amazing. The whole show, top to bottom, 10 out of 10. But, but, but the actual Rumble features basically, you know, the, the roster that I started with, that my fandom, and so it's like everybody. You get Rikishi and Viscera just clacking into each other, no selling super kicks. Like, so I get this battle of behemoths right into the too cool dance 
Tuchel oh. is my favorite tag team ever. You know, I get I get Taka getting thrown out, Mean Street Posse getting involved, even though they're not in. I get to see every wrestler that I think is dope. Gangrel's out there. X-Pac takes a crazy bump over the top rope only to get back in and not be eliminated. And then the ending was like so exciting because I, I mean, I, I like the rock, but I liked the big show more. And I was like, big show one. I was like, this is bullshit. And I think that's why I didn't like the rock when I started watching, because I just genuinely thought it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. I remember on raw the next night, they kept showing the pictures. Whose feet touched first. Was it the big show or the rock? We don't know. who. And, and I just remember being like, no, no, that's the, the big show one. This isn't fair. I was like, The Rock's cool. This guy's cool. I get it. But this isn't fair. And so, like, immediately I had this weird negative perception of The Rock that kind of lasted forever. He was never, like, my my, my main dude. Um, and and I've always been a big big show fan. And maybe it's because he got screwed right away. And I felt for him. But, yeah, I would definitely take that one. I, I used to know the order the order by heart. Uh, you know, it's just I get to hear some of my favorite themes from that dope little entrance. Uh, it's, it's just great. I love that match. They they referenced Rock and Big Show referenced that match. I think um, I think it must have been a, a fair few years ago now. Where there was a Rock, there was a the Rock was on Raw and he was in this thing. Where he was walking around backstage and he approaches the Big Show and they say, "Hey, remember that time in the Royal Rumble when?" You accused me of my feet hitting the first. The truth is, you're right. They did. Yeah. And, and the guy who was the Scorpion King said, I'm going to give this role to whoever wins the Rumble. How different <laughs> is it going to be? And the big show's there just destroying a laptop. Oh, it was Dude, a, that's so good. So, it was a beauty of a moment. That That's a, a good choice of a Rumble at, at a time where, like, even I, I get why you went off the rock, though, because even I, as a rock fan, was like, yeah, his feet did hit the floor. Like I, I think I don't know whether that whether the story was going to be this question of did he win or not, but I think the fact that he so blatantly didn't made it a, a trickier one to swallow. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that was ever the plan. I think that swung a huge audible into February, and then you know things got even weirder as they were unsure of the main event because I have a a, a mini poster from Blockbuster that has Jericho with Triple H and uh, uh, The Rock and The Big Show, not fully. You know, he was, that was always the plan. I think he talks about it in one of his books and they didn't have faith. And so like, obviously things were like all over the place building up to that mania. And I certainly don't think Big Show's feet touch or Rock's feet touching first was part of the plan either. I think that, I think everything was fucking, had to be haywire. And as someone who's written wrestling, consistent, consistent, consecutive weekly wrestling, I, I know what a headache that probably was just on a far grander scale with a whole lot more money involved. Uh, with, you know, obviously I was going to, this, this seems like a quite a nice one to transition into. So with that, like having something like that, like a, a curveball, an audible having to be called in a match like that, as you, when you were writing for, for Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, did you ever have to deal with inc- an incident like that where you had these plans in place and you had to pivot to, to make to, to make exception for real circumstance um i'm i'm not gonna lie or exaggerate literally every other sunday <laughs> every other every taping every single taping you know i i'm a wrestler i'm a wrestler first you know and i think it's important that i was in the office because i was a wrestler because i understand what it's like to be a wrestler and i can't tell you how many times you know like a, a solid talent's in the middle of like a crucial angle on the show and they get offered big money to be somewhere else you know i would always say 
take it. I'll figure it out. And I always did. I always did. Things got a little muddy here and there, sometimes injuries. Uh, I think one time we were forced to have Ryan Taylor wrestle Timothy Thatcher for both tag titles. Like the tag titles were on the line in a singles match. And that was because uh, two people were hurt. Um, we've had people get thrown out too early in rumbles, things like that, where it's just, you know, I'm on headset going, well, change it. This guy's got to do this now, you know, behind the curtain, which, you know, whatever. This is very behind the curtain. But yeah, I mean, there's just a little, and like on the fly audibles too. I'd be like, tell the ref he's got to stay because now he needs to wait until so-and-so comes out and then he can get him out. Tell him to find him, make sure he dumps his ass out. Like just, <laughs> just thinking, just thinking, just thinking. Cause you know, it's live to tape. There's still a crowd out there. We can't pause. His feet weren't supposed to touch. Let him back in. You know, we can't do that. So, um, and then, yeah, just, you know, people getting signed in the middle of an angle where, and they can't finish up their dates or, you know, they're, they don't want to risk their health because they've got the, you know, the real thing in front of them. And I get that. I support that. I'm a wrestler. You know, I would hope I would have that kind of support from any office I work for too, if a good opportunity came along. And I always just kept that in my head. I was like, oh, like so-and-so has got a chance to be on TNA all weekend. Like, who am I to take that money out of their pocket? You know, I can always figure it out. I'm like, and I'm, I'm actually grateful for those headaches because I learned a lot. And I think they made me a much better creative. And, uh, you know, they, they showed me just, you know, how to roll with the punches. You know, those, I took a lot of them, a lot of punches. And now I know how to react and ride around it now. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. It was really, it was a crazy learning experience. I wrote uh, almost 200 consecutive weeks of story-based wrestling. And I'm damn proud of it. And I'm proud of the things I had to overcome to make some of those stories happen the way they did. And, and we're very happy to have had you on the show today to talk about all of that and so much more. This has been a really long, nearly, nearly two hours. How did that happen? How did Ooh. that happen? Oh boy. <laughs> you're, you're going to be tired in the morning when you go to the gym and, and that's on me i'll take that um, uh two more things to ask before you go dead quick uh yeah. where can people find you online if they want to track down the the latest move, movements of captain yuma the best way to stay in touch with captain yuma and the rock nest monsters is by following me on instagram at yuma Buma, y-u-m-a b-o-o-m-a same exact name on twitter I'm most active on both of those. I love talking to fans and to fans of other things, uh, not just pro wrestling. You know, I'm, I'm very interactive. Uh, I'm a social person and I enjoy uh, the positives of social media. So uh, hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at Yumabuma, Y-U-M-A-B-O-O-M-A. I always post all our uh, dates and where we're going to be and what we're up to. You can also follow Big Hunky Kev at Kevin Martinson on Instagram. That's pretty much the only place he is. And it's mostly pictures of his cool hikes and scary spiders he finds. <laughs> I haven't talked enough about him. We'll have to get him on here to do one of these himself. I think that's only appropriate. It feels he, very he, would prob he, he would probably rather slam his head through the monitor. <laughs> Fine then. He's, uh, he's, he's, the, he's the, what's the... Silent what's but the he's, Yes. Yes. That is him. <laughs> that is him. I'm I'm the blabbermouth. He does all the work. <laughs> I do all the talking. He does all the work. Uh, but one more question: uh, If you were to, uh, as Captain Yuma were to were to travel back in time, and 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 see a young uh, pre-flight training Captain Yuma sat in front of the TV discovering viscera 
for the very first time and going, actually, this wrestling thing isn't as bad as I thought it was. What one piece of advice would you like to, to give him? Take steroids sooner. <laughs> as in like sooner in the day before breakfast or just sooner in your life? <laughs> sooner in your life. <laughs> My thanks to Captain Yuma. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For joining me on Cultaholic Island, check out a hundred plus more conversations like this by searching on Spotify for Desert Island Graps. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 